It's good to be with you. Uh, I was uh, thinking recently in terms of preparing this series as we talk about the angelic visitations that uh, are uh, surrounding and, and permeate all the activities of, of the first Christmas. I was thinking of a time many years ago. It was 1989. I was uh, asked to come to speak to a small group of people. I'd done a marriage conference in Syracuse, New York, and I was uh, then subsequently asked to come back to speak to a smaller group uh, uh, continuing on that topic. We lived in western Massachusetts at the time, and uh, my wife couldn't go with me, so it was it was one of these times where I was just able to go and uh, be with uh, myself and uh, travel. And I love car travel. I'm one of these guys that just likes to get in the car and go. And this was a pretty memorable trip. Uh, I, I remember because uh, I had some music that I liked. I had an Amy Grant album. And uh, I like, still like Amy Grant. Sorry, I know that dates me. I'm one of the old people that... Uh, was referred to earlier, but but that's uh, I, I remember I just loved this album and I was uh, had that there and uh, also noticed though when I left uh, uh, Springfield that as I was leaving the city I just had my my tires rotated and uh, realigned and I noticed that there was a vibration just a week after I had my tires aligned and uh, oh, I was so frustrated that was my right front tire. And I didn't know what to do exactly. I knew I was going to have to have it looked at, but it didn't seem to be too bad. And the faster I went, uh, the vibration got better. So I thought, well, I'll just keep going fast. It'll be okay. So I'm heading toward uh, uh, Syracuse, New York, and uh, this Amy Grant song comes on, Angels Watching Over Me. I don't know if you remember that song. The chorus goes, Angels Watching Over Me. Every step I take, angels watching over me, every breath I take. And uh, she sings that song. I remember just started singing along with it. And I thought to myself, huh, angels. Do you believe in guardian angels? Do you believe you have a guardian angel? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Uh, and I, I thought about that and did some research then, and I, I did some research now. There, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about guardian angels. Uh, the only reference that we really have to it that is somewhat semi-direct toward it is, is in the 91st Psalm, verses 11 and 12. And the psalmist writes, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, if you think that passage sounds familiar. It actually is familiar because it's repeated in the New Testament uh, in Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Satan himself uses that text to tempt Jesus as he takes him to the, the pinnacle of the temple and, and asks him to leap off so the angels would rescue him. Okay, okay all this about angels. We've, we've talked about angels. We've talked about the fact that they are spiritual beings. They minister to, to people of faith. They in, in this sense, seem to provide some kind of protection. So in this series, this Advent, as we focused on these angels, we've, we've talked about the angelic visit to Zechariah first, who is the father of John the Baptist. If you were here two weeks ago, we talked about that and, and how God indeed fulfills his promise that, that when God communicates his love to us, inherent in that love is a promise that he will fulfill his word. Last week, we talked about uh, the angel Gabriel coming to Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
We talked about the proclamation that God indeed speaks to us and he has something specific to say to us. And uh, we talked about what, what it meant to, to, to listen and respond to God's voice. What I'd like to do today is talk about another angelic visit. And uh, it wasn't just one, it actually was two. And if you really want the whole story, there, there were two more visitations years away from Christmas, but we're going to focus on Christmas time. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, or it's in your bulletin, and uh, I want to begin with verse 18. Matthew, as he begins this chapter, gives the genealogy of Jesus, uh, and, uh, and then he talks about the actual event of Jesus being born and coming to this earth. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Here's the setting that Matthew starts. Matthew starts with the fact that Mary is now pregnant uh, with, with this baby, and she was pledged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Uh, the culture of that time, uh, the engagement period, wasn't just a, a, an informal kind of arrangement. It was a very formal arrangement. When you were pledged to be married, it was like you were married. That, that the commitment was made, and uh, the event, that the, the wedding that you look forward to would be the actual beginning of, of the couple living together, but the commitment had already been made. And Joseph here finds himself uh, in, in a predicament because uh, his betrothed, Mary, is pregnant. Uh, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew then, who is the writer that speaks specifically to the Jewish believer and, and quotes prophecy all the way through this gospel, writes all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So this first encounter Joseph, Joseph had with an angel was, was after Mary was pregnant. It was different, though, in terms of the encounter that Zechariah and Mary had had previously with the angel Gabriel. This was a, a visitation in a dream. We don't know if it was Gabriel or not. Matthew doesn't uh, give the name of the angel, but, but he appeared to Joseph in a dream. Uh, of course, Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus and was engaged to Mary. Uh, he was uh, described in scripture as a carpenter. The Greek word is tekton, and uh, it, it's interpreted in various ways uh, in, in that culture and, and in uh, that Greek sense. It, it could mean anywhere from just a handyman, someone who, who would just do odd jobs, to, to someone who is a very skilled craftsman. We don't know exactly 
what it was, but we know that Joseph worked with his hands. And he was most likely, historians say, in his mid-20s up to early 30s. This was usually the age, even though Mary was still in her teens, uh, this is the age generally that men were married. Uh, this allowed them the opportunity to work, and, and Joseph certainly was, was working, and he probably worked the bulk of his adult life, not just to survive, but also to accrue enough wealth so that he could support a wife and children. So here he is, and he is in this predicament because he finds out Mary's pregnant, and he doesn't really know what to do. And the angel comes to him and says, take responsibility and protect this wife and your potential family. So the angel here is an angel sent to allow Mary to have her reputation protected. It was an angel of protection in terms of the reputation. We learn something of Joseph's character is in seeing how he responded to the news of Mary when she was pregnant. He was and, and you look at the, the, the text, it says he was faithful to the law. This was a man who lived a life of obedience. And then because, because of that, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace and had mind to divorce her quietly. He was a merciful man. Joseph, like his namesake, you remember the jo Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph who was the son of Jacob and uh, Rachel, uh, the, the favored son of, of Jacob and uh, the one who really was the person who, who allowed the, the whole Jewish race to continue, literally, because of how God used him. Joseph, in the Old Testament, was a dreamer. And this Joseph was a dreamer as well. Do you remember the dreams of Joseph in the Old Testament? He had dreams. He had, there, there were 12 sons. His dream uh, one of his dreams was he, he was uh, in a field and that they were all sheaves of wheat and, and, and all, the, all the sheaves of wheat that represented the other brothers, they bowed down to him. He was very glad to share that dream with them. They weren't so happy with it. And then later on, he shared a dream where, where he, was, uh, uh, he was the sun and, and, and the, the brothers were the stars and, and, and also the, the, his father and his mother bowed down to him. And uh, he was not a very popular guy. He was a dreamer. And Joseph, in the New Testament, had this dream as well. It, it, dreams are interesting. Has God ever spoken to you in a dream? It's an interesting question. It would be a nice conversation piece for, for a Christmas party, right? Uh, I have a friend of mine who has these vivid dreams all the time, and, and it seems that God speaks to him in a dream. I'm a little bit envious of that because, because of some of the dreams he has. Here, God is speaking to Joseph in a dream. Dreams through history have been talked about. They've been written about. Uh, in in uh, last century, Sigmund Freud uh, came up with, with a, uh, a whole system. He's the father of modern psychology, and, and, and the interpretation of dreams was, was sort of the, the basis of modern psychotherapy. And Sigmund Freud would, would, would sort of probe into people's dreams and try to figure out their meaning. Uh, when I was in graduate school for, for my counseling degree, there was actually a whole course on, on interpretation of dreams. And I, I remember talking about over the course with my instructor trying to figure out whether I should take it or not. And, and uh, I, I looked at her and I said, you know, I take this course, but I'm not very good at remembering my dreams. And, and without any hesitation, she said, well, that's because you're repressed emotionally. So uh, that was a little bit discouraging. And I did not take the course. So see, this is a dream, though, that Joseph wouldn't forget. 
This is an angel coming to him and telling him things that he couldn't even begin to formulate in terms of his mind. The, the importance of the protection of the family and especially of men in this culture cannot be overstated. Mary, because of her pregnancy and because she had not consummated her marriage with Joseph, was now open to not just scandal and public ridicule, but by the laws of the Old Testament, she was vulnerable and could have been put to death. Joseph was the man that God established to step into that situation and protect the reputation of Mary. Proverbs 22.1 states, A good name is more desirable than great riches. You believe that? Good name is more desirable than great riches. Joseph was, was given the job, the responsibility of making sure that Mary's reputation was not besmirched to a point where she would not be able to survive. The Old Testament Joseph, you remember, was sold into slavery and he ended up in Egypt and he ended up in a home of a very prominent man, a man by the name of Potiphar, who was captain of the guards in, in, in the capital of Egypt. And he found favor in, in Potiphar's eyes. He was a very good steward and, and, and servant and, and he was put in charge of the whole household. But, but he was also seduced by Potiphar's wife. And over a period of time, she would, she would attempt to seduce him, and he always resisted. And because of her anger at his resistance, uh, she falsely accused with him. And, and Joseph, that Old Testament Joseph, was thrown into jail. His reputation was ruined because of a lie. Now, the New Testament Joseph was called in to another situation where, where he would be part of this scandal. He would be the one who would say, no, I'm going to take you as my wife, but people still would talk. I think of our reputations. I, I always like this quote of Frank Outlaw. I don't know who Frank Outlaw is. I, I just know that he, he came up with this quote. At least that's, that's what... Uh, all the, re the, the resources I look at say, but the quote I think is excellent. He, he, he said, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, because it becomes your destiny. It's not fun to have someone sully your reputation. And yet Joseph was called in to support Mary in this time. I like verse 24. Very simply, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Joseph was given the responsibility to protect and provide for the most important baby ever born in history. God called Joseph to the responsibility of looking out for his wife's reputation and protect her from the consequences of a pregnancy outside marriage. And Joseph got up and he was obedient. 
Now, we'll fast forward a little bit, and I'm going to take you beyond the birth of Jesus. I hope that doesn't disappoint you that because we're celebrating that coming up uh, this, this coming uh, Thursday. But verse uh, 13 of chapter 2, there's another angelic visit that Joseph has. Now, the setting for this is the, and Matthew is the one who speaks about the magi, the, the wise men who come to see Jesus after he is born. They come and see and worship Jesus. Who were the Magi? They, they, were, they weren't Jewish. They were kings from the east, very wealthy men, uh, men most likely who, who ruled the lands that they, they lived in. But there was a star, and uh, in, in their uh, wisdom and in, in the writings of their culture, uh, they, were, they were told to look for a star, and they gravitated toward uh, the... Uh, region of Galilee, and they found the baby Jesus. They, they came through to Jerusalem first. They wanted to know where this baby king was. They figured it would be in the capital of, of this land. And, of course, Herod uh, was greatly troubled at this and, and uh, sent his, his scholars to find out in the Old Testament where uh, this Messiah was supposed to, this king was supposed to be born, and they found in Micah the text where, it's, where it was in Bethlehem. So they go to Bethlehem, which is just a few miles south of Jerusalem, and they find the Christ child. This is probably a few months, maybe up to two years after he was born. And I hope that doesn't disappoint any of you who in your crash scenes have the wise men there. It's okay that they're there. They just probably didn't show up concurrently with the shepherds. But they came. And what did they bring? You remember the story. They, they brought gold, and they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. And, and gold, of course, speaks for itself. Frankincense and myrrh were very, very valuable spices and, and, and fragrances, uh, liquids that were used very, very sparingly in, in, in many ways, and, and it was worth a lot of money to have that. And so here, here the presence of the Magi, I, I think, was probably wonderful. Joseph and Mary had gone through the birth of their son, and shepherds came that night, and they explained what they had seen. Here eastern kings now come. But something was up. And look at uh, verse 13 of, of chapter 2. Uh, no, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 13. When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Can you imagine Joseph's response to this dream, and Mary's response for that matter? Here they are, they're finally settled in. They're probably going to settle in Bethlehem. This is the land of his ancestors. They figure this is probably a good place as any. They not just have each other, and they have this little child that they're to care for, but now they have these, this, this uh, wealth that they can live on, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And then the angel comes and says, hey, your life is good. Now run for your life. Can you imagine? Run for your life. 
This was Joseph's second recorded angelic encounter. The first changed the course of his life. The second encounter saved the life of the Son of God. See, it's not just the protection of reputations that Joseph was called to, to protect his, his wife's reputation, but there was protection of life that the angel called him to. And where does he have to go? He has to go all places to Egypt. So no short trip. This wasn't any easy transition, and there was danger. Herod had sent his soldiers to Bethlehem for the purpose of making sure that no baby boy two years and younger would live because he was afraid that that baby would grow to take over his job. And in his madness, he had what was called the slaughter of the innocents, these, these babies killed in, in Bethlehem. Did you ever have a detour in your life around the holiday season? Christmas is interesting, isn't it? It's just like we, when you come to Christmas, it's like it's a joyful time but it's also a, a, a reminder. Some of us have been through years that haven't been all that pleasant, and some of us are, are going to situations this holiday where we're going, oh, I thought things were gonna work out, but now things have changed. It's not as easy as I thought, it's more difficult. I was listening to a sermon by Andy Stanley recently, and he's up in Atlanta, North Point Church. I, I, I love the way he communicates, but more importantly, I love what he communicates. And uh, he was telling a story, a Christmas story of, of his own, one that uh, happened to him 25 years ago. He said uh, it was the first Christmas where things weren't going to go very well. And uh, he uh, told the story of the fact that that Christmas was the first Christmas that his parents were not living together. They had divorced. And if you know his family, his father, Charles Stanley, uh, First Baptist Church in Atlanta, very well-known speaker, and, and uh, yet his parents tragically uh, ended their marriage. And it was the first Christmas that he was going to experience where that was happening. And he said that what we did traditionally is we'd go to my parents' house on Christmas Eve, and then we would leave late that, that evening and, and travel two hours to my wife's parents' home, and we would uh, arrive there late and wake up Christmas morning with them. He said, but I realized that as we were going to my dad, you know, that we were going to go to my dad's house and he was going to be all alone when we left. There was no one else there. He said, and it broke my heart. He said, I didn't know what to do. So I called up my friend, Charlie, Charlie Renfro, I think he said his name was. And Charlie told him the story. He said, what should I do? And Charlie said, well, I'll tell you a story. He says, I was celebrating my third wedding anniversary with my wife and, and uh, we were dressed up and getting ready to go out to this wonderful restaurant and celebrate and I got a call from my mother and my mother said to me over the phone, hey, Charlie, your dad's acting up again. I need you over here, I don't know what to do. And so I'm looking at my wife all dressed up and I'm all dressed up, we're ready to go out and then my mom's on the phone and he said, I made the decision to drive to my mom's house and try to help her out. And this is the lesson I learned. You can't solve a 40-year-old problem in one night. I made the wrong decision. Some of us have Christmases where all of a sudden things are, are happening that we didn't plan on. We're going in a totally different direction just to survive. 
The text says, after the, after the dream, so he got up. He took the child and his mother. Look at this, this prepositional phrase, very interesting. During the night. Can you imagine? I mean, this is dire. Soldiers are coming. You didn't travel in that culture in the night. You, there were thieves and robbers on the road at night, and, that, and a, a man and his wife and his little baby set out to journey to Egypt in the night. Nineteen hundred years earlier, Joseph's namesake, the Joseph of the Old Testament, was on a detour to worship to Egypt, had been sold into slavery. He didn't plan on that, and Joseph, Mary's husband, father of Jesus, didn't plan on that either. But he was obedient to what the angel said. And if you know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, when he, when he is there and, and he's a, a, a servant and, and, and falsely accused and imprisoned and miraculously uh, through a series of circumstances, has the chance to be in front of Pharaoh, impresses him, and is put in charge of uh, many things to the point where he's the second most powerful man in Egypt. And because of that, and because of a famine in that area, Joseph was able to save his brothers and his father and his family and all the Jewish nation as they were able to come to Egypt and, and to find salvation. Joseph, at the, at the uh, death of his father, his brothers are worried that he's going to have vengeance on them now that their dad is, is, is no longer living. And, and so they come to him and they said, hey, you know, our father said, don't, don't take revenge. And, and Joseph, beautifully, in, in chapter 50 of Genesis, says these words, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He looked at his brothers who, who came this close to taking his life but sold him into slavery. He said, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done. Here's the phrase, the saving of many lives. The Old Testament Joseph saved a nation. The New Testament Joseph, when he was obedient to that angel, saved the world because the Messiah was safe. Christmas, Advent is a reminder that it's God who protects us. God protects our reputations and indeed our very lives. I was almost to Syracuse on that car trip. I was about half hour outside, half hour just east, and I was on the New York Turnpike. And uh, the, the, the vibration in the tire was getting worse, and, and I needed gas, so I pulled off, and, and it was one of these... Uh, turnpike rest areas, you know, quite elaborate, a lot of, lot of uh, uh, gasoline pumps, and, and there was a garage there, and the mechanic was on duty, and I, I said, I went to find him, I said, look, I don't know much about all this stuff, but could you come, and I think I've got a problem with my tire, can you just pop the hubcap, and can we see what's going on, and he did, and uh, we leaned down, and he, he looked at, at the lug nuts, and he went to each lug nut, and they were all loose on my tire. He just twirled them as, as he went around. And I went, oh, man. And I just had my tires rotated, and, and they evidently didn't tighten that tire. They didn't do the power uh, tightener on it, and uh, there it was loose. I said, well, great. Let's just tighten them up, and let's go. 
And he said, no, you got to look at the posts. He said, you, and, he, and he showed me that the pressure on, on those, those lug nuts on the posts, they'd stripped the threads of each of those lug nuts. There's just a little bit left. And uh, there's no way you could tighten the bolts. Uh, in my ridiculous non-mechanical mind, I looked at him and said, do you think I can get to Syracuse like this? And he looked at me and said, I don't think you can get 100 more yards down the road. And so I uh, had to have the car repaired and towed. They came, the, the couple's house where I was going to be came to get me. I spent the weekend, arranged to have the car fixed, and he took me back to the garage. And as I was driving away with a repaired uh, tire, uh, car going well, the Amy Grant song came back on, Angels Watching Over Me. And with the realization that I, I was barreling down the New York turnpike at 75, sometimes 80, I confess to you, miles an hour with a tire ready to fly off my car, uh, I heard these words, second verse of her song. God only knows the times my life was threatened just today. A reckless car ran out of gas before it ran my way. Near misses all around me, accidents unknown, though I never see with human eyes the hands that lead me home. But I know they're all around me, all day and through the night. When the enemy is closing in, I know sometimes they fight to keep my feet from falling. I'll never turn away. If you're asking me what's protecting me, then you're going to have to hear me say, God has angels watching over me. Every move I take, angels watching over me. Angels watching over me every step I take. Angels watching over me. So what's the point? You might be saying, you want me to believe in guardian angels? I don't know if you do or not. I think they're there, and I, th I think God has ministering spirits to, to guide us and to protect us. But that's not the main point. Here's, here's the main point. What detours are you on this Christmas? What struggles do you have relationally, professionally, personally? Joseph, in this angelic encounter, reminds us that God is the one that we can trust. God is the one who protects us. God is the one that if we're just obedient, we are going to be safe. You can trust him. You can trust him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this man, Joseph. Thank you for his courage, for his faithfulness, for his obedience. What a responsibility to be the earthly father of the Messiah. And I pray that as we are reminded of his faithfulness, that it would allow us to be called to our own faithfulness. Lord, I pray that I and every person here, every man and every woman, would be led into a life where we would be trusting you. And when we hear your voice, be able to take the next step. Make us those men and women, Lord, for your sake and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.